evening dominated the skies as darkness covered the sprawling campus that comprised the Mages' Guild. Mages did not believe in traditional methods of fuel, sustenance, and in some cases even transportation. The more powerful mages of Welkin could often be seen teleporting, speedrunning, or even flying to their destinations of choice. Some mages could even grant this ability to others for a short time. And because mages did not require fuels to heat or light their campus, the darkness was especially thick in the non-bewitched areas of the guild. These conditions suited Seth Thamro just fine. Far fewer people would see him fall from the Tower of the White Robes that he was currently attempting to scale, albeit with the help of Jenna Kiss. Jenna wasn't actually climbing anything, however. She wasn't even casting anything at the moment to help Thamro climb. She did, however, cast a seldom-used white robe spell, one that allowed the mage to see through the eyes of another. This way, assuming Thamro did not fall to an unceremonious death below, she would be able to guide him to the pertinent works of Archmagus Damien Lucian, assuming there actually were any, that would allow her to reverse the spell that had turned her master into an onyx dragon. We begin here. Can't you climb any faster? Really? We're going to do this now? What? It was an honest question. I expected you to be able to climb much faster given your upper body strength. Apparently, those muscles are just for show. Remind me to leave a boot print on your backside when I get back down. You do realize that the spell I cast allows me to hear you even when you mumble? <sighs> of course it does. So, no. I will not remind you to... How did you put it? Leave a boot print on my bottom when you get back to our camp? I didn't actually say bottom. For a split second, Thamor lost his grip and nearly fell. Whoa! Huh! Huh! Speaking of bottom, be a bit more careful, dear. Does the other version of you climb any better? I wouldn't know. Maybe you can ask him if I hit my head on anything. Eventually, Thamrel worked his way to the top of the Tower of the White Robes and crouched low as he slipped onto the balcony. Jenna, we have a problem. And that is... There are no doors to get into the tower. I don't see any windows either. What do these guys do? Grope around in the dark? We're talking about mages, Thamro. Forget everything you think you know. Mages are not limited like regular people. We can create our own realities. What appears closed to some appears wide open to others. The walls are bewitched to appear as if there are no visible entrances? To your eyes, yes, but not to mine. Follow my lead and you'll be fine. What about the bone control spell you did on me before in the dungeons? You recall that? Of course I don't. I was the other me when you did it. Cravex told me about it on the ride out from Finn. I'm not strong enough to cast that, maintain the auditory spell so we can hear each other, and be your eyes. You'll simply have to trust me. Take two steps to your left and walk straight for ten paces. That will take me off of the balcony and plummet me to my death. (sighs) No, it won't. The white robes just want you to think it will. Trust me. Thamro inhaled. (sighs) 
exhaled and then took ten paces forward. Before he knew it, his feet were standing solidly on what should have been empty airspace. That's incredible. It is pretty neat, isn't it? Keep walking straight. That isn't a wall in front of you. Crouch low and stay hidden. Jenna guided Thamru through the virtual labyrinth that was the White Mage's Tower. She led him down several hallways, libraries, and through various facilities. Suddenly, Thamru heard a voice call out to him that somehow seemed familiar. And it was not Jenna's. I am here, my master. Jenna. Did you hear that? Did I hear what? I have tasted blood and am well nourished, my master. Call to me and I will return to your side. Jenna, you don't hear that? All I hear is you. Be careful. It might be one of the white robes. I doubt that. Why? Because the voice came from a large sword that's laying on the ground in one of the bedchambers. Thamra watched in astonishment as the sword, known as Convergence, leapt from the ground and glided through the air to his hand. He didn't know how or why, but he knew the weapon belonged to him. It felt very familiar and comfortable in his hands, as though it were crafted for him. Jenna, I think this is Archmagus Lucian's quarters. Whose sword is that you've found? We're not here to gather new weapons. We're here to grab scrolls. Turn around so I can see where they are. Thamro turned around in a circle and made sure to look at everything in the room so that Jenna could tell him what to grab. Those scrolls in the corner. Quickly, grab those and open them. Caution, Master. Without the proper protection spells, those scrolls will blind you. Jenna, tell me you heard that. Thamro, you're starting to freak me out. Now quickly, grab the scrolls before someone comes. But... What about protection spells? If I look at the scrolls, they might blind me. Hmm, that's a good point. I hadn't considered that. Huh, we might make a mage out of you yet, young warrior. Look around. Do you see any other writings lying about? I don't, but I can only see so much with this spell. And we have to be certain these are Mages Lucian's writings. Or we did all of this for nothing. I don't see any other writings, just the scrolls. And they do appear to have the magus's seal on them. You are a simple warrior, Thamro. How can you possibly tell? Are there runes or other symbols on them? Well, the letters D and L that are stamped on them probably stand for Damien and Lucian. Or didn't they teach you that at which school? <sighs> Grab the scrolls and head back out before someone notices you. I don't see any guards, but after walking on air a few minutes ago, I don't trust my own eyes right now. Mages don't really require guards, particularly here on the guild campus. The spells cast around the grounds will keep most people out. Then, how did we get in? You got in because I allowed you to. Jenna, we have a problem. Jenna blinked out of her vision spell, her own sight returning to her. When her vision was completely clear, she noticed several white-robed mages surrounding her with their staves at the ready. She was bound in silver chains quickly and feared that Thamro faced similar problems at the tower. She was correct in her assessment as Thamro faced the man 
who'd been inside of the carriage he had seen earlier in the day, a man called simply the Provost. His birth name was Oliver Merlness. But anyone who knew him referred to him as the Provost. He was widely recognized as the most powerful magic user in all of Welkin. He stood six feet five inches tall, wore silver robes that swanked a hood with royal blue trim and runes that changed colors. He was pale-skinned, bald, and wore a trim, well-manicured salt-and-pepper beard that faded up around his earlobes. His teeth were perfect and seemed to shine when he spoke. In his left hand, he held what appeared to be a solid, clear sphere made entirely of crystal that was about the size of a child's ball. The crystal sphere had what looked like clouds swirling inside of it, and even those changed colors every few moments. The provost stared at Thamro, but spoke no words. He assessed the young man with his eyes, paying particular attention to a sword he had seen earlier lying on the floor that now rested quite comfortably in this young man's hand. A sword that, until this moment, had refused to be picked up off of the ground by anyone, even him. They stared at each other a few moments before finally the provost broke the silence. Do you know who I am? No, sir. Hmm. My name is Merlness, but I am called the provost. Do you know that no one has been able to lift that weapon? What weapon, sir? The one you seem to be holding. The sword. At that moment, the sword glimmered with a magical white hue, as though it knew it was being talked about. Is that your sword, young man? I've never seen this weapon before. I don't know whose it is. It appears to know who you are. I heard it call you master. Wait, you can hear it too? I can indeed. It calls itself Convergence, though that name appears to be new. Do you know what it was called before? As I told you, sir, I have never seen this weapon before today. The provost lifted his crystal sphere and spoke a few words of magic. Yeshua. The sphere glowed ambient white and shone on Thamro. After a moment, the light dimmed. Curious. My sphere believes you, even though I do not. The owner of that weapon murdered Archmage's Damien Lucian. And thus far, it has only allowed you to pick it up. Do you have an explanation for why a murder weapon you have supposedly never before seen, that only responds to his owner's touch, has allowed you to retrieve it? I don't, sir. Are you telling me that you did not come here to the Tower of the White Robes with the necromancer's assistance? To retrieve that weapon. Yes, sir. Forgive me, but that doesn't make any sense. I purposely lowered the defenses when we sent you coming to allow you to enter. I cleared the tower so that I could face you in battle. I assumed you were an assassin. Famro quietly wondered if everything the provost was saying was actually true, and that he just couldn't remember any of it. 
He hoped to the gods it was false. He couldn't imagine himself actually killing anyone. As far as I know, I am not an assassin, sir. Then why are you here? I am here for these, sir. The scrolls? You came all of this way for useless scrolls. We don't believe they're useless, sir. And who is we? The necromancer. Boro's apprentice. You know Boro Kane. At this point, I don't believe there's a person in Welkin who does not. But yes, to answer your query, I am quite aware of him and what he has become. Let me guess. You and the apprentice think the scrolls might contain hints at a reversal spell based on Damien's studies of the scrolls of malediction? Yes, sir. I could have saved you a long climb, young man. Those scrolls are his grocery lists. Unless you're planning to buy herbs to grind into powders for alchemy, you're wasting your time, I'm afraid. Thamro's heart sank at the news. He knew Jenna would be devastated, and worse, the people of Welkin were in greater danger. How will we deal with the dragon now? You have far more pressing concerns, I'm afraid. You are now the prime suspect in the murder of Damien Lucian. I need you to place the weapon on the ground and come with me. Thamro's eyes darted around the room for a possible escape route. Don't be foolish. You barely made it in here with the spell casting of your necromancer companion. Do you really think you can get out without her? Maybe with this sword I can. Son... If you could use that sword, you would have already done so. Put it down before I put you down. Thamro lowered the weapon to the ground and took a step backwards. The sword glowed red, seemingly displeased that it was being left on the floor. Shall I kill this man for you, master? Uh, no, no, um... Please do not kill him. Let's go, young man. Slowly, Thamro did as commanded by the provost, who seemed more concerned about convergence than anything else. Are you sure, master? I can kill him as easily as I did the other one. No idea what you're talking about, sword. Nope, none. As the provost led Thamro out of the quarters of Archmage's Damien Lucian, Jinnikis was also being led away from their campsite by the White Robes, who was sent to capture her. While that was going on, Angelica, second in command in the Order of the Dragon, was preparing to visit Dominic Peros, the bastard son of King Peros of Finn, a man the Order believed to be a dragon rider, a pivotal pawn in the Order's endgame. Thus far... Angelica's feminine wiles had proven to be anything but, as her sister, the Tarragon, was wont to remind her. Our story shifts to the hidden base of operations for the Order, as Angelica confers with her ally, the Dark Rider. And you're telling me that Dominic resisted even that? Even that? I mean, if I could have removed more clothing than I would have... But I was down to the essentials. <laughs> he is a tough nut to crack. Who am I kidding, though, Ryder? Dominic could have any woman in the realm. He is prettier than I am. Perhaps he does not desire women. Had you considered that? My ego certainly did. 
I have seen him in the company of women, never with other men. If Dominic doesn't like girls, it would be news to me. Then perhaps you need to pull back. Be a little less aggressive. Men like being the hunter, not the prey. I don't have time to figure out what he likes. That dragon doesn't appear to be going anywhere. That's not what I mean. If we don't get the rider in position before that dragon is an adult, six days from now, we'll have no way of controlling it. Every second we spend away from him is a second we are not teaching him to trust us, obey, and do our bidding. He is as likely to burn us to cinders as he is anyone else. Are you telling me that our entire plan hinges on something critical that we have yet to secure? Unbunch your panties. I'm not saying anything like that. Then what are you saying? I'm saying that Dominic will be our rider. Eventually. We don't have until eventually, my friend. I assume you like your tongue. Don't make me remove it. Removing my tongue doesn't improve your situation. But it might improve my mood. I have a better solution. Stop leaving it to chance. A simple empathy potion will win his heart. What do you think I've been slipping into the fool's wine goblet? Ice cubes? None of the potions I've crafted have worked. Have you actually studied alchemy? No, but I will study your insides with my sword if you do not watch your tone. It takes alchemists decades to make effective potions. One cannot simply grind herbs, throw them into a bottle, and hope for the best. You need to pay a visit to Paul of Quelos, perhaps the finest potion maker I have ever seen. His shop is in Ubris, behind the brothel. Why have I never heard of him? Why indeed. Visit him and have him craft an empathy potion for you. That is, if you can convince him to. Rumor has it he stopped practicing some time ago. I can be very persuasive when I need to be. If that were so, then you wouldn't need the alchemist. Come on. That one was funny. I will kill you when I return. I've been hearing that threat since we were children. One of these days, I will make good on it. You have less than six, by my count. Angelica mounted her horse and looked down a final time at the dark rider. Why don't you come with me? You know him, correct? Perhaps you can convince him to make this potion. I cannot fail, my old friend. I have a bounty on my head in Ubris, Angelica. Besides, Paul isn't exactly fond of me. Then we already have common ground. Wish me luck. Angelica rode off to Ubris as Famro and Jenna stood before the provost and a collection of white-robed mages in their tower. Jenna remained bound by silver chains and Thamro by iron ones that had been augmented by magic. The group discussed what should be done with their captives. Our story continues there. Lysa, even if they didn't actually kill the archmages, they certainly planned to rob him. Of what? His herb lists? The man is dead, father. He had no need of them. All the more reason to punish them. Besides, Megas Thorn tells me that there's a bounty on both of their heads. A bounty? I am told the king is sent for the ghost. I thought the ghost was a myth. He exists? Oh, yes. Well, more like it exists. I do abhor bounty hunters, my dear, you know that. And this is really of little consequence. I mean, we have them both already. We can save the king time. Besides, if Peros takes Burl's apprentice out with his attachment, perhaps the beasts won't even attack. 
they'll be able to then get the drop on him. You abhor bounty hunters, but you'll use a young woman as bait. You've blurred the lines of morality so much and for so long that you no longer sense where they begin and end, do you, father? Perhaps this is beyond your understanding, child. No, I understand perfectly well, father. The Mage's Guild won't lift a finger to deal with Boro Cain, but will gladly let his apprentice be slain if it means the king's guards will kill him. Easier to keep your hands clean, correct, father? Necromancers are evil, daughter. That is fact, not opinion. Cain brought this judgment down upon himself. You are arguably the most powerful mage in this realm. Are you telling me that you cannot reverse the spell and simply banish the man to the wizard's jail? <sighs> the scrolls of malediction are as old as the gods, daughter. There is an mage alive who could reverse what's been done to him. And any mage who tried might suffer the same fate as Cain, if not worse. You cannot simply admit your fear, or better still, your jealousy. I am hardly jealous of the likes of Boro Cain. Is that fact or opinion? You dare mock me. I am simply making a keen observation, father. Cain practices magic you've never studied. He is arguably as powerful as you— you cannot tell me that a small part of you does not fear that Cain will learn to master what he has become. That is absolutely ridiculous. You cannot tell me that a small part of you isn't jealous that you did not get to utter the words of that scroll yourself, even with the knowledge of what it would do to you. You'd rather watch him die than see him succeed. Which makes me wonder if his situation is evil at all, by comparison. <laughs> what? What could you possibly mean by that? At least we know Cain cannot control what he is doing. You still have your wits about you. Your acts are a choice. You could not be more off-base, child. Suppose Cain learned to control his transformation. That would make him quite formidable. All the more reason he needs to die. Father, It is settled then... We will send them both back to Finn and let Peros decide their fates. While Lysa and the Provost were having their discussion, Jenna was reading their lips from across the room. They're sending us back to Finn. I can't go back there. I won't survive. Why not call that sword of yours? That's not my sword. I don't know whose it is. It calls you Master, right? It does. Then as far as I'm concerned, it's yours. You said to get us out of here. Thamro weighed the alternatives in his mind. He could certainly call out to the magical weapon to help him. That much was clear. But what would the weapon do once he called it? Would he succeed in only making the situation worse? Could it actually get any worse than it already was, even if he did? And what about Angelica? Would she be able to get the alchemist to craft her empathy potion? And even if she did, would it actually work? <laughs>